0: Good morning and welcome to the what must be the equivalent of the We Were Warned live stream. Because today we're going to talk about a little bit the um, odd news that came out of Buenos Aires. Yes, the diocese at Francis, when he was known to the world as Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio, that he was the ordinary of. And I'd heard about this story a couple of days ago, but I didn't want to talk about it until it had been confirmed. And now. We have confirmation. God has indeed apparently in, sent a very clear message, one that cannot be mistaken for anything, but a clear message about the nature of this diabolical blessing decree from that, the Vatican. And so we are going to go over all of this now because let's just say that this story is a pretty big one. Get My notes up here. We get this from the Pope Head Substack. Let's bring that up on the screen so you can see it. The Pope Head substack is, uh, has republished an, a piece by Andrea Cianchi, which I'm probably mispronouncing his name. My apologies. Their headline is Buenos Aires Lightning on the Halo and Keys of St. Peter, Bergoglio at the End of the Road. All right. So I'm going to pause here and just remind people. That we should probably not spend too much time thinking about whether or not Francis is approaching his final days. I would imagine that if the internet had been around back in 1998, 2000, and been around in the way that it is now, you would have seen a lot of people speculating about that for John Paul II, and he was around for five more years. So let's not get ahead of ourselves here. It could be true. I find that such predictions to be a little ghoulish myself, but. And I also caution people to be careful to interpret what this means in practice. I, I'm not going to say what you what we're going to talk about here is a coincidence. It is not a coincidence. I mean, after all, once you see the details of it, how could it be a coincidence? Now, note something here. Lightning struck a statue of St. Peter. It destroyed the halo, and it destroyed the keys in his hand, and it destroyed his blessing hand. Now that we've noted that, Let's get to the article, and I'm going to read the whole thing for you here, since the post in the sub stack is itself a good translation and a repost of the article from an Italian news site. It's not a terribly long article either. It's worth noting here also that the author is one of the more famous Benny that is, Andrea Cioncini is one of those who believes that Benedict's abdication was invalid for any number of reasons, and who believed Francis to be an anti-pope, and that Benedict was the real pope, and now that since Benedict's passing, we are in a period of interregnum. Keep that in mind. In fact, uh, the author is actually one of the more well-known proponents of that hypothesis. So keep that in mind. That doesn't mean the facts you're about to hear are wrong, though. Well, from the faith perspective, how should we interpret the lightning bolt that struck the statue of St. Peter on December 17th? And there you see the statue of St. Peter before and after. We'll be back to looking at this picture here in a moment. On Sunday, December 17th, 2023, lightning literally pulverized the key and halo of the statue of St. Peter, located on the facade of the Sanctuary of Our Lady of the Rosary of San Nicolás, north of Buenos Aires, Argentina. The news was reported by the telegram channel The Pope's Pearls. It, seems to be, it seemed to be fake, given that no news could be found on the web. But The event has just been confirmed by the Reverend Father Justo Lufuido, a priest who is certainly a Bergolian. A typical Ratzinger effect, evidently. That particular phenomenon, whereby the Bergolians or the Unacum, let's say Bergolian-legitimist conservatives, these are the people who who are usually right about a lot of things about the state of the church, but who insist that Francis is legitimate. That's what they usually refer to them as, okay? They unconsciously offer information, documents, and testimonies that are very useful for the reconstruction of the Magna Questio. In this case, it would be obviously only be a sign from heaven which, however, has been interpreted by many Catholics without too much difficulty. Father Lofuero certainly did not realize the effect that the disclosure of the photo would have. The priests of the sanctuary have issued a statement that rejects the symbolic interpretation of the fact, but not the fact itself. Now, this is a quote from the priest of the sanctuary where this happened. The sanctuary does not agree with the interpretation that this has been given with respect for the damage produced in the image of the Apostle St. Peter. What is striking, in fact, is that the event occurred on Jorge Mario Bergoglio's Birthday, the day before the publication of Fiducio Suplican's declaration, which opens up the possibility for James Martin blessings. This measure marked a, a sort of point of no return. The faithful are starting to understand that something isn't working. Even the place where the accident occurred is rich in meaning. First of all, the sanctuary of San Nicolas in Argentina, homeland of the anti-pope, a few kilometers from Buenos Aires, the city of which Bergoglio was bishop for a long time. The channel of the Pope's Pearls reports, quote, Above all, it is a place of worship and veneration, because inside there is the beautiful statue of the Madonna of the Rosary, who appeared for years to the visionary Gladys Kriga de Mota, starting from early 1980s, giving her more than 1,800 messages. In them, the Holy Virgin says she has returned to continue the apparitions of Fatima, and many of these clearly speak of the terrible struggle between the devil and the church. Since February 11th, 2013, various suggestive events have dotted the story of the usurpation of the chair of Peter, reconstructed in three documentaries in the Ratzinger Code investigation. That's a pitch for Andrea Ciancini's work on making his case for Benedict being the real Pope and Francis being an anti-Pope. We can remember the lightning that struck the dome the same night as Pope Benedict's resignation, the inexplicable blocking of the bells of Castel Gandolfo following the what he calls the invalid election of Francis the ending of the doves released by Bergoglio, by crows and seagulls, the fire of the Bethlehem Chapel a few hours after Francis's visit, the fire in the consistory hall of Castel Gandolfo a few months ago, in the same days in which we published this appreciated report and many other events that Catholics of just a century ago would have interpreted as unequivocal press releases from the Eternal Father. Well, from a faith perspective, how to interpret the lightning that struck the statue of St. Peter on December 17th? It seems that the time for Antipope Francis is coming to an end. Heaven would have symbolically destroyed his halo of sanctity and disintegrated the key, which represents the Pope's authority. Strange that the statue only held one key, it seems. Symbolically, the golden key alludes to power in the kingdom of heaven, and the silver key indicates the spiritual authority of the papacy on earth. The rope connecting the key islets alludes to the link between the two powers. And what he's referring to here is this here, the one on the left, is the before image. Typically, you'll see statues of St. Peter where he's holding a pair of keys, one for earthly power and one for the binding and loosing power in heaven. The silver key is for the earthly power. Odd how this statue only has the earthly power. That's what he's alluding to. Again, the author of that piece is a believer that Benedict was the true real pope and that Francis is an anti-pope. And here's the after image: Earthly authority gone. Halo gone. And the statue, a little tarnished, I guess you could say, but otherwise easy to repair. The blessing hand gone. That's the major news of the moment. It reminds me, the author went into this, but it reminds me of the lightning strike at St. Peter's Basilica on the day of Benedict's announcement, which many have interpreted as not being a endorsement from heaven on the state of things. But also, the thing reminds me of this too, which is the image, this image here, this is the image of, the, of a day in 2014 when Francis issued, uh, released some doves as symbols of peace. And uh, they were, the, the, the doves suddenly got intercepted by seagulls and crows and things. I mean, it was one of those things that made headlines. People were legitimately surprised by that. And the article goes into some other examples of this, too, happening. I don't think this is a coincidence. Francis' birthday, the day before that diabolical document was released, Curious what you say, though. Um, Anthony Abbott says, is this the Diocese of Francis? Yeah, so this has happened just north of Buenos Aires, where he was the local ordinary. So that happened there. So again, let's add, let's add to the, the things that say this can't be a coincidence, because just statistically it's too many things to be coincidental. Um, <laughs> but yes, that was the... That was the big, big news that everybody is kind of starting to talk about on social media. It's, yeah, and as Anthony from Avoiding Babylon says, it's wild. It is wild. I, I'm not a believer in coincidences when you start having too many of these oddly, you know, too many coincidental things means it's probably not a coincidence anymore. As Lepanto Lemonade says, the, the rocks will cry out. Yeah, when in the next case, the heavens will cry out. <laughs> Now, some of you have mentioned in the chat also that the Hungarian bishops have uh, also issued their own statement on this document. Uh, Diane Montagna has their statement here. I'll just go over it briefly. Um, I I wish I could bring this up in a way that you could read easily see the text, but it is what it is. Internet browsers have their limits. The statement was issued yesterday. Uh, It looks like it was at 9.06 a.m. local time. Below is a statement from the Hungarian Catholic Bishops Conference. During the days of Christmas, we celebrated the joy of having God with us among us, who with merciful love has invited all people to a communion of love with him. In this spirit, the members of the Hungarian Catholic Bishops Conference address the following message to our pastors and members of our church. The declaration of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith on the pastoral meaning of blessings, entitled Fiducia Supplicans, issued on December 18th, 2023, does not change the church's original faith and teaching on holy matrimony, and on morality of the flesh. Considering the pastoral situation in our country, the Bishop's Conference specifies that ordained ministers can bless all people individually, regardless of their uh, how they view themselves in the flesh and their tastes in the flesh, but they should always avoid common blessings for those pairings who live in a non-marital partnership or in a marriage that is not valid in the church or who live in a double S partnership at the same time we accompany all our brothers and sisters in particular life situations with love and respect helping them to deeper understanding of God's will for their journey of life according to the gospel of christ issued in budapest on december 27th yesterday by the hungarian bishops conference it is not the most strident it is not the most strident of the statements it's not the most tersely worded of them that we've seen but it's still a good statement nonetheless Do you pray for demons? No, they're they made their choice, their choice is set. You don't pray for demons. Why would you do that? Um, of course, I think that's in reference to someone asking, saying is that Francis is a demon. <laughs> Mary Woolley says she enjoyed my appearance on Avoiding Babylon. Go check the channel out. Uh, in the morning, the uh, host of that channel is in the live chat here. So, um, but yeah, go check them out. They uh, they do interviews and discuss current events and things, they typically broadcast in the evening. Doctor, obvious. I was literally what I was just going over was that article. <laughs> That's the. I, I, I'm guessing you joined us late. That was the article I just went over. Um, but I don't. I t- I tend to think these kinds of signs are not a coincidence. How could they be a coincidence? It happened on his birthday, which was the day before the document was released. The symbols of authority and sanctity. On that particular statue, a very odd statue of St. Peter, were annihilated. How could that be a coincidence? In his diocese, the diocese he was the ordinary of before he found himself on the throne of Peter. Um, Derek, I'm going to go over that tomorrow. The How in one, in one interview, Cardinal Fernandez says, it's proper for each bishop to discern application. Of the document because he's contradicting himself. He's contradict he contradicted himself in a matter of days on this. So, this will be an interesting thing for me to go over tomorrow. I think Lynn Wade says this is not a coincidence. As we know, there is no such thing as a coincidence with God. Very true. No coincidences in with God. Okay, Doctor. Obvious. Just making sure. Um, and now we're going to go with the odd news. I think at the end because. This is weird. I don't know why they're doing this, but the Vatican is now set to publish the private homilies of Pope Benedict XVI. And this is being reported by the National Catholic Reporter. There may be some other better outlets out there talking about this. I don't know why they're doing this. These are the private homilies. Um, if, I mean, if you were to purchase these, the money, would, since they're being published by the Vatican, the Vatican is always getting the funding for this. So if you are a big fan of Benedict XVI, know that before you buy these. But their article says, quote, the Vatican publishing house announced it will release a book of some 130 homilies given by the late Pope Benedict XVI at private Sunday masses, 30 given while he was pope and more than 100 given to members of his household once he retired. The homilies were recorded and transcribed by the consecrated women, members of Mamores Domini, who lived with him and ran his household, said Jesuit father Federico Lombardi, president of the board of directors of the Joseph Ratzinger Benedict XVI Vatican Foundation pause for a second why are why are jesuits in charge of the benedict the 16th foundation why are they the ones in charge of that that seems odd to me there the foundation there is going its purpose will be to to preserve and promote the legacy of joseph ratzinger why are jesuits in charge of that if the jesuits were a decent order and, and if they were if every jesuit was like was cut from the same cloth as Father McTeague and a few of the other high-profile Jesuits who are unequivocally Catholic and unequivocally Orthodox about the way they about their teaching, I, I wouldn't care. In fact, it'd probably be a good thing. But here I have to ask, why are the Jesuits in charge of this? Anyway, let's continue. Announcing the publication December 23rd, the Foundation and the Vatican Publishing House did not give a date for its release, but they published a homily Benedict had given December 22nd, 2013, the fourth Sunday of Advent, Of his first year of retirement. The homily focused on Saint Joseph and the biblical description of him as a just man, which before the birth of Jesus would have signified that he followed the Torah, the law given to the people of the land. The danger is that if the word of God is essentially law, it can be regarded as a sum of prescriptions and prohibitions, a package of norms, and attitudes therefore would be to observe the norms and thus be correct, Benedict said in the homily. But if religion is like that, if that is all it is, there's no personal relationship with God, and man remains within himself, seeks to perfect himself to be perfect, he said. It's difficult to love God, who presents himself only with rules and sometimes even threats. But With the coming of Jesus, the late Pope said, the law is not a set of regulations to be observed, but it is an expression of God's will. And trying to understand and follow God's will, one enters into a relationship with him. A truly righteous person like St. Joseph is like this. For the him the law is not simply the observation of rules, but presents itself as a word of love, an invitation to dialogue, the hom- homily continues. The dialogue leads one to discover that all these norms do not apply for their own sake, but are the rules of love. They serve so that love grows in me. When one understands that the whole law is only love of God and neighbor, one begins to see the face of God and is led to Christ, he said. Benedict said Christians face the same temptation, the same danger that existed in the Old Testament. Even a Christian can arrive at an attitude in which the Christian religion is regarded as a package of rules, of prohibitions, and positive norms. And they can believe if one tries hard enough, he or she can reach perfection. The point of faith, though, he said, is to find Jesus, the way of life and the joy of faith, end quote. I think you see why they shared that one. That sounds like a much more eloquent version of something that maybe Francis would have said himself. So why the Jesuits the ones sharing this? I don't know. That's really odd. Uh, Possibly to... uh, the reason I suspect that they're in charge of it is um, the Jesuits are pretty much the de facto power authority in the Vatican these days. And they have been for some time, but especially now, uh, if they're the ones in charge of it, they can choose which homilies he he, ha- he gave that are published. That's certainly true. We're talking about a decade's worth of homilies, right? There's only so much that could be published. There's only so much that they could do in one volume. Now, Perhaps there will be future volumes that, that would be reasonable to expect, especially if the first one is uh, very popular. All right. Um, Mountain of Elysium says I just became a father. My son enters a church where the Pope is working against the faith, stirring division and then victim blaming. He's a kid covered in chocolate, excess, accessing others, accusing others of gluttony. I mean, that's, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that sentiment. Dr. Obvious says that Benedict didn't write those words. I mean, ben, there is more in continuity between Benedict and then and Francis than we'd like to admit. There really is. This is why it's worth reminding ourselves. Um, Malachi Martin had was asked once what he thought of Joseph Ratzinger, and he called him the best of a rotten bunch. Not the most ringing endorsement. Uh, I will say that I think Benedict was the best of the popes from the post-conciliar era, but I've seen enough continuity with Francis and him on issues like the the Laudato C topic, there's a ton of continuity there. That's just one example. Um, and now I do think tend to think that they curated those homilies to see, to, to publish certain ones. first, Could be for thematic reasons or it could be they want to just make sure it's all things that are in line with the current way of doing things in Rome. All right. Are there any other questions in the chat? This is your time to get the questions in or whatever else. Yeah, Isabel, don't don't leave the Catholic church because Peter, because we have a particularly nasty Peter right now. Don't leave for that reason. Don't leave for that. Okay. That's, there's no reason to leave the Catholic church, especially for, you know, for a community that has its own problems because they have their, they have their own problems and they deny many dogmas of the Catholic faith. You would have to deny the Immaculate Conception. You'd have to deny the Ascension of Our Lady. You'd have to deny, deny a bunch of these things. It's, I don't recommend it. And so, uh, why weren't these published when he was still alive? Uh, Benedict, when he, when he passed away, he destroyed a lot of his own papers. I don't know why he, he, he wrote some things and published them after he, uh, during his, during those last years, but he didn't publish a lot. And it could be that he just, these these were private and meant to be remain private. There's another root question I have about this. All right, folks, I think we will call this here. Let me know in the chat if you have any final questions, and then uh, you you will be able to find all my sources for all this stuff at my show notes today at tradition.org in the post that goes along with today's video. That'll be up in about 50 minutes or so. The new video goes live in 10 minutes or at 5 o'clock Central Time. Can I recap the lead story? Yes, uh, there was a statue, the brief version is that there was a statue of St. Peter in Buenos Aires, just north of the city, in the diocese Francis was the ordinary of before he became Francis, that on Francis's birthday, December 17th, which was the day before the new document was issued, lightning struck the statue. The halo of St. Peter and the key in his hand, as well as his blessing hand, were gone after the lightning strike. Um, The statue was itself odd because most depictions of St. Peter show him holding two keys, one representing the binding and loosing authority in heaven, and the other being the, um, his you know, the earthly authority of the, the Pope. And this statue only had one representing the earthly power. All of it was gone. That's the recap. It had too many coincidences. And it reminds everybody of the seagull story, you know, Francis releasing doves in 2014 as a a gesture of peace and seagulls deciding it was time for lunch. Right. Um, and the lightning striking St. Peter's Basilica It reminds everybody of those things. So, all right, this is a, it, it is. And Deborah just says correctly. That's a heavenly phenomenon. It absolutely is. This is not a coincidence. It's too many details to be a coincidence. All right. Thank you for tuning in folks. I, Thank you for joining in and I will see you in the next live stream. May God bless you.